Hello, and welcome to the AI Spectrum Podcast. I'm your host, Spencer Kane, and in this series, we talk to experts all across Siemens about a wide range of AI technology and how they are applied to various products. Today, I'm joined by Todd Perella to discuss how AI is driving automation in engineering and design. Todd has worked for 16 years in the NX Product Management Organization as part of the team that sets the vision, strategy, and roadmap for the investments Siemens makes in the NX portfolio of products. To that end, artificial intelligence is a key technology being explored within NX, not only as a means of improving how customers interact with the software, but also to enable generative design and engineering practices. So, Todd, to start our conversation off, can you tell us more about how generative design engineering work and uh, why it's important? Sure. Well, the topic of generative design has come to the forefront of engineering a few years ago now uh, because it, what it can do in terms of helping you know, our engineering design community find you know, the best possible outcomes of their next generation products. So it, it, what generative engineering does is it ex- expands the design space of possibilities for uh, our customers, allows them to explore many more uh, variables of, of options, right? You can, you have, oftentimes you'll have weighted criteria, uh, you know, when you're designing a, a product, it, uh, you have often have many conflicting or, or requirements, uh, multidisciplinary requirements that you need to incorporate into that design for, you know, op- how you're, you know, what materials you're gonna use, what manufacturing method are you gonna use, uh, what are the system performance requirements? All of those things are so many variables to, to be juggling. And so as customers are, are looking to um, you know, f- find that next iteration of, of a performance improvement uh, or that next innovation in, in, in their design you know, that they bring to market, uh, they're finding that generative engineering and leveraging artificial intelligent you know, algorithms can help them in that process. And, and really it's about exploring you know, hundreds or thousands of iterations versus, you know, you know, single single digits or, or, or you know, or a dozen iterations uh, that they typically do today. So you've mentioned this a little bit now that obviously your generative design and engineering capabilities are built with AI. Can you expand on that a little? How are you using AI to enable generative engineering practices? Well, our our key technology inside of Siemens is is our you know our our AI engine um, that essentially leverages a a suite of algorithms to to explore the design space, and so the challenges with uh, some of these engineering and generative problems is that uh, the design space can be quite broad. So you know, typically, what a cust- what a user does without AI is is leverage you know look chooses a a methodology to explore the space, um, and that can be quite difficult because there's sort of macro algorithms that look at the bigger picture and then there's you know sort of more localized micro algorithms that, that that focus in on on a particular parameter or variable and that becomes a very complex problem for the engineering community to know you know which quite frankly which is the right tool to use leveraging ai that we like we do inside of our ai our, our ai engine that ai engine you know figures out which is the best approach to take for you and it and it figures that out based on exploring the design and then taking that feedback from a design and then uh, making interpretations of, of how it might need to change its approach to, to zero in on some of, the, some of the key objectives that you're looking to, uh, looking to meet. I see. So it kind of sounds almost like you're optimizing the problem of optimizing your design. That, that's probably, a, probably a, good, a good summary for sure. 
So we've been talking a lot about how AI can enable generative engineering and generative design now, but is this something you could do without AI? Is it something you've been able to do in the past or is it only possible now thanks to the advances in artificial intelligence? Yeah, so it really depends on to what degree um, of generative engineering you're, you're, you're at. Uh, there is sort of a, a scale of, of ability and complexity uh, in the, the, the world of generative engineering. Uh, and so, you know, the basic form of generative engineering is, you know, what we've seen out there in the market, which, you know, took a lot of, really caught a lot of interest because of the visual aspects of what topology optimization was doing. So topology optimizations are, are just, are, is a, set, a form of generative engineering. It's one aspect of generative engineering. Uh, it leverages special algorithms to optimize des designs based on uh, a user's set of inputs and constraints. That's generative engineering. Is it using artificial intelligence per se? Um, yes and no. You know, it's it's using something specific. It's using a, a method, a specific method, to run through and look at an optimization on on a set of problems. So you know that would be an example where you know you're not you're not leveraging some the aspects of learning uh, in that process, but you are still doing generative engineering. Um, if you're getting you know into the bigger scale uh, and complexity of, of what's possible through AI, yes, you start incorporating um, capabilities to, to learn from your previous designs or learn from learn from designs that exist out in the world today. Uh, and that just that's sort of a, another level of what generative engineering can offer. All right. So it sounds like it's a bit of multifaceted there, both in the approach and in the technologies under the hood. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we bring capabilities to the market that covers, you know, all aspects of that. And really, it's just dependent on, you know, what's what's most suitable for our customers' needs. And, you know, uh, and typically customers evolve with, with their uh, learning of how to use these technologies and how they can uh, leverage them to increase, you know, you know expand and grow and scale uh, the, the possibilities of what they can achieve with our solutions. Well, it sounds like with generative design and engineering, you're a lot of the burden of exploring the design space and creating designs has been shifted from the engineer to the, the system, the artificial intelligence under the hood. So how do you see the role of the engineer changing with this new kind of AI-driven design paradigm that we're developing here? Sure. Well, um, if you look at the role of engineers and designers today and then analysts, I would say, um, you know, they're typically, you know, key cogs in, in that process of, of actually um, designing and validating each step of, of, of the stage of the design. Uh, so, you know, typically you designers uh, make products, they get, you know, analyzed and validated through simulation tools, um, you know, either, either designer level simulation tools or analyst level capabilities, right, where you have a multidisciplinary workflow happening. Um, you also incorporate the manufacturing aspects of that through manufacturing engineers. Um, and so, you know, that's a key part of the whole end-to-end -end workflow for developing products. Uh, the way that, uh, or, the, you know, the possibilities that artificial intelligence can bring to, gen you know, in a generative engineering approach can bring to design, um, it helps with automating a lot of that heavy, heavy lifting work, right? And, and a lot of that, uh, very specific and tedious work. Uh, and so through automation, 
And by leveraging you know, automation through these algorithms, uh, the way that their roles change uh, by moving towards a more generative approach to design is that they become uh, more, or, you know, more of orchestrators. Uh, in a sense, it frees them up to be able to think more of the real engineering problems and the real objectives for what you're trying to achieve uh, in your products, um, where you, you, know, you ensure that you're setting and defining the correct set of requirements for all aspects of how the product needs to be developed. Uh, so they become more orchestrators in defining those requirements. Uh, and then they're allowing automation and the algorithms to run through and, and, and drive and present the options uh, back to you rather than having to go through all of those, uh, you know, all of those very manual steps uh, that I mentioned in the beginning, which is, you know, you know, essentially the current state of engineering design today. Sounds kind of like you're letting engineers get back to being engineers instead of just having to be pushing a lot of numbers and doing a lot of testing and stuff. Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, CAD technology, you know, our, our technology has revolutionized the way products are developed, right? But it, it also required people to become skilled experts in many, many aspects of, of you know, various aspects of, of you know, CAD uh, and, and, and simulation software and technology. Um, and so as we become smarter and present our tools uh, as more engineering advisor based like based tools, uh, we take that burden off of the engineer and like you said, open it up to them getting back to being more uh, more of what an engineer typically views themselves as, as you know being their, their biggest priority, right? And so yeah, the, the, the more that we can bring engineering intelligence into our, our tools along with automation, the more we're really going to help help you know our customers and our companies you know really innovate further and faster. So integrating AI in the design process has to be a big change for how things have been done traditionally, and I imagine it's one that can't happen in a vacuum. So, how do you see the move to an AI-driven generative engineering process changing the way that the product design process happens? Yeah, so I mean, really, what most companies are trying to achieve today is is are, are these closed closed loop workflows, like so engineer uh, and validate and manufacture uh, in sort of a closed loop, and also I'd say on top of that, adding in to getting data analytics out on the back end system performance side in in the real world, and then looping that bit back in and driving, you know, um, driving. The new sets of requirements uh, that you're from your, what you're learning from the field into, again back into that loop of the design process. Um, AI, you know, through through the AI tools, you, know, you can integrate um, you know, multiple multiple capabilities. Like I say, multi, it's not only multi-objective but multidisciplinary. So you're you're you have that ability to connect you know your design. Uh, your simulation and your manufacturing tools together uh, into that process. And, and really, again, mentioning automation, that through that integration and, and automation, you're able to drive that closed loop design process much more efficiently uh, than, than what typically happens today, as I mentioned earlier, uh, with, with multiples of those disciplines working in a more manual way. So we've talked a lot about how AI is kind of underpinning all of this new technology and the new ways that engineers can explore design spaces and uh, design new products. 
But at the same time, this also means that engineers are going to have to start placing more of their trust in the algorithms and artificial intelligence systems that are underpinning the new these new generative design processes. So what are you doing to kind of build that confidence that in the, the solver, in the system, within the engineering community, as who tends to be kind of hard-headed about that kind of stuff and like to really understand what's happening under the hood? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. Um, and it's not an easy... It's not an easy challenge to overcome, uh, of course. Uh, you know the real the summary is you've got to build your your AI technology on on proven you know proven real world uh, you know good good design essentially. Uh, so when you talk about using machine learning, you know you could you can learn from bad <laughs> you know from from many bad examples. So the, you know the key aspect of that is that that our engine. Um, that have the engines that have been developed are are based on proven real world successes in, you know in the field, uh, and so you know and learning from that is is key. Um, so I don't know, you know, as as I mentioned, you know, we're very confident in improving our technology uh, through, you know, through through many many use cases uh, over many many years uh, that the technology is is is. You know, proving to, to give better performance uh, and better outcomes in your products, um, and that's that's an important aspect. It goes back to sort of the the drop test simulation I I mentioned to you before. There, were, you know, there are people that used to see that and and still question whether it was real, right? You know, so so to your point, it, it's a it's a hard a hard thing to overcome for engineers who really want to see it first to believe it, right? Um, but I think over time and through over over increasing confidence of, of our technology having been built on that proven, you know, that proven infrastructure, it's really the only way to, you know, to get past that. Um, of course, you have to have you have to have those real results, right? Because there are there are numerous experiences. Um, you know, thankfully, I don't know aware of anything within Siemens within our technology, but there are numerous experiences. Out there in the market in the world that that have given wrong results, right? And that you know you lose the trust and confidence of your of your community if if that happens, right? And and that also underscores the reason why engineers are still critical to to even these advancements in technology uh, in, in what we're delivering to the market because at the end of the day, uh, it's it's still the engineer who. Uh, Needs to validate and sign off on those on, on those designs, right? A computer is not validating and signing off on those designs, and so uh, the engineering community, the engineering world, is still you know, critical to everything that that we develop in the world today, uh, and I foresee that to remain the case, uh, you know, indefinitely. So, building on that idea of needing some early adopters for new technology, what sectors or industries are you seeing the fastest growth of generative design and engineering practices in? We see the adoption of generative design quite heavily uh, in the aerospace and the, uh, I say, the power generation markets you know, for sure. Um, and I, I think the reason is primarily that they have some of the, the most difficult engineering challenges to eke out performance in, in both uh, capability as well as um, optimization of you know, of fuel usage, quite frankly, right? So they, you know, if you take a, a jet engine, right, you're always trying to be more powerful, more efficient, right? Uh, which includes 
using less fuel, right, to fly people across the world. So some of those aerospace uh, and uh, energy and utilities, you know, power generation type workflows uh, tend to be at the forefront of a lot of these technologies because of you know what they're trying to eke. So if they if they can get ten percent savings or five percent savings, you know that's that could be significant over time. And, you know, secondarily is obviously um, what we see in the automotive market. Again, anything in terms of transportation uh, in general, where where you're you know you're using uh, fuel, right? And of course, we're, we're that that. that is changing you know energy sources are changing over time but any any place where you have to have to generate an energy you know use an energy source you know obviously is going to be most uh most directly impacted by the possibilities of what we could deliver there so and you know in other cases you know you might also look at you know things that were you know if you look at the consider things in the medical field and what what we're able to do there uh, i'm not saying that they're they're, you know, they're, they're not definitely not the highest adopter of, of generative engineering, but improving patient outcomes can be something very interesting for how, how to leverage, you know, uh, artificial intelligence and generative engineering for how to improve, you know, the bio, biomechanics of, of what we do in terms of uh, implants and, and, you know, and prosthetics into the user, uh, into the patient. So that's just a sort of a really off there arbitrary, you know, sort of a side, side example but you know the the point is that there could be numerous uh, upside benefits to leveraging this technology across you know a wide swath of industries. All of the nine industries that we go to market here at Siemens uh, can be benefactors. Some some may be um, you know more leading adopters than others. Um, and as as I mentioned, who who I believe that the leaders are. Uh, but all of them could really look at the application of this in in a variety of ways, and not just necessarily at the product design level, but it could be it could be on the manufacturing tooling side, right? Ways to generate more efficient tooling and manufacturing processes and leveraging generative engineering for that. Um, so this the scope of possibilities of where you could apply generative engineering, I think, is you know really still in its infancy. Um, we often look at it at the end product or the end design, but but it could be leveraged, quite frankly, uh, you know, in, in numerous areas of of design process, you know, of, of process engineering processes, you know, in our customers uh, across a wide range of industries that we go to market in. All right. Well, thank you for giving me that kind of off the cuff answer there. It's, it's very informative. Actually, it almost sounds like the industries that are kind of adopting this soonest are the ones where even a small gain in efficiency or in performance could be a potentially large impact on like cost or business or operating conditions. Absolutely. So we've talked a lot about how AI is being used to enable generative design engineering, but is there anything else interesting that you're working on that you'd like to share with us? Sure. And actually, I think a lot of, uh, you know, to answer this question, some of this you can actually already see available in the market from in our products today. Uh, and that's our focus towards not just leveraging AI uh, and machine learning technologies for generative engineering, but how can we apply it? Towards the daily, you know, daily productivity of, of our thousands of engineering users across the world, right? Because you know, not everybody uses a uses a generative engineering approach, right? There's many, many industries and workflows that you know really aren't necessarily applicable to that, right? So, but leveraging AI and machine learning towards how we could help improve, you know, our engineers' daily use of our tools, you know, the, all of our customers could get great benefit from that. And so, 
you've seen us incorporating uh, this technology into our uh, command prediction tools, uh, our selection prediction tools. Uh, these are all of you know the way that you interact with our with this, with our system with with NX and and, and SimCenter and our other products. Uh, so we're we're incorporated. We've incorporated machine learning algorithms in, into NX and the different you know as as sort of a uh, as sort of a uh, I guess you'd say a service or a foundational service that that's available in all of our products to leverage. So that we, as I mentioned earlier, we're leveraging and learning from our you know our 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 users' daily interaction with the products. Uh, and uh, the applications of this are, are enormous because, uh, you know, many of our customers are, are leveraging this technology to learn from sort of the expert and the knowledge base in those companies for how good designs are, 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 are designed and, and, and produced in our tools. And by, by putting that, that, you know, machine learning capability onto, onto those users' desktops, uh, it's it's an amazingly powerful way to help uh, with the you know the the ever evolving problem of of trying to capture the knowledge of of you know a wide swath of experienced engineers um, that at some point won't you know won't be in the engineering workforce right and 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 will need to be disseminating that information to the the next you know the next set of engineers uh, you know com coming on board. Uh, and so we've been applying, as I mentioned, uh, machine learning into a variety of capabilities in NX uh, that that can learn from your usage, the way you interact, you know, with with the features and functions, uh, the way that you select, you know, select and, and design design products. Uh, we're incorporating it into the way that you that that you know we're designing. We're, we've developed these designer level simulation capabilities. Uh, and we're incorporating machine learning into there to help uh, educate you know that next set of that, that, that next user who's not as familiar with this tool on, on how to essentially use the tool. Uh, so you know the more we learn from from past usages, we can start serving that up as recommending re recommending sort of advisors or guiders, you could say to recommend to that new user. Uh, you know, for example, oh, I see I see you're trying to do this. Uh, typically, you would pick, these types of things to constrain the part or to uh, uh, to build that that functional feature in the best possible way. Uh, so that's really one of the areas where, where we see uh, on our side, you know, incredible value in the possibilities of what artificial intelligence and machine learning can can bring to our community. Um, we have you know com command predict. We have voice you know voice command prediction right. So where you can actually leveraging leverage the use of our tools just through just through your voice. Right, which is not just a, a powerful uh, capability for you know it maybe physically impaired uh, people, but also just possibly maybe the way that you'll want to interact with your with your CAD software in the future, like you know Jarvis uh, from uh, from Iron Man, right, where where you just talk, you're just talking to it and and telling it what you would like to do, uh, and so we have actually various capabilities already available in the product uh, voice command assistant as i mentioned and some of the prediction tools there and, and that to me is probably the most exciting uh you know not several things that we've been working on recently that i think uh, maybe your the community is not aware of uh, and might might find great interest in as well well that sounds all sounds just really exciting great futuristic stuff that you're working on to an extent 
But I think that's about all the time we have for this episode. So once again, I am your host, Spencer Kane, and this is the AI Spectrum Podcast. I'd like to thank Todd Perella for joining me here. Uh, thanks, Spencer. It was great to speak with you. I appreciate the time as well. Great. And that's all for this episode.